last time we talked about uh, we talked about the reasons for covenant, and uh, you know uh, the the primary one is you know when you look into the the different parts of the world where covenant is part of the culture, the weaker tribe would strike covenant with a stronger tribe for uh, for its own preservation and protection, and uh, that is actually what God has done with us. You know, he struck covenant with us because we are the weaker party and because of his everlasting, uh, you know, love for us. So this morning I wanted to talk about the Abrahamic covenant uh, because uh, God established a covenant with Abraham. And it's in, it's the story of it starts in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, but God through what happens, God through his loving kindness, we all know that God loves us. We've all been told that God loves us. Uh, but sometimes we've got to experience that love uh, for ourselves so that it really becomes a revelation to us that we are loved by God. So what happens is God begins to draw his people into covenant. And, you know, that happened to you, that happened to me. If we're in covenant with him today, God began to uh, extend his love toward us. And this is what we call courtship. So one Friday night at youth, we started to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about courtship with our young people. And it's really uh, the lost language of the kingdom because we are in a post-covenant era. Uh, we're in a, in the uh, we're in the era of casual uh, relationship, but God's whole operational dynamics are different. The only way that God relates through us today is through a thing called covenant, and if you can understand that, it can really bring a great stability into your relationship with God. So covenant has been, you know, my parents understood it well. Uh, your parents or your grandparents uh, would have understood it well. And, uh, you know, it, it was the language of the day. But now we just don't talk about that. It's almost like it's become a bit of a dirty word. Uh, so I'm really hoping that we can begin to capture the language of covenant once again. Um, so God always relates to us out of a position of covenant. It's not a feelings thing. It's not a mental thing. It is a fact that when you are relating to God, it is out of covenant. It's not a business relationship. My relationship with God is not a business relationship. He is not interested in what he can get out of me. You know, sometimes in our immaturity, we can relate to God because of we get out of him. But in everything God's, uh, you know, in this covenant that we are in now, which is the new covenant, it is a love relationship. And God reaches out to each one of us and he, and he uh, endeavors to connect with us and draw him, draw each one of us through the process of courtship. It's like he woo, woos us and to a place where we come to that place of covenant. So it's a love relationship. 
The Old Testament reveals several covenants. Uh, the covenant made, uh, the first covenant was the covenant with Adam. We spoke about it last week, where God made a covenant with him. And he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, go and all, uh, he said, now what does it say? I just can't remember. It's in Genesis chapter 128. But it's a, he says, have dominion. And, uh, you know, I'll just go there because I know it as well as anything, but I just, uh, uh, it's come back to me now. Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. That is the, that is the foundation of the first covenant that God had with man. And, uh, you know, there are elements of that that still stand today. So you have, there was a covenant with Adam. Then there was, anyone know the next one? Noah, then Abraham. Uh, one of the best known uh, covenants in the Old Testament was the Mosaic Covenant because a lot of our law goes right back to that. So all of these covenants involve the shedding of blood. So, so this goes right back to the very beginning where when Adam sinned, you know, they obviously had, there was the shedding of blood after that to, to reestablish the covenant. And that was where he had to go and find clothes. So obviously an animal was, was killed. So all of these covenants involve the shedding of blood. And you can see this in every indigenous culture uh, on the planet where somehow, you know, there is all sorts of strange, uh, you know, covenants that are established uh, where one tribe will establish a covenant with another tribe and it involves the shedding and sometimes the mixing of blood. You know, uh, it's bizarre to us because we've completely lost the language of covenant, but... Uh, when you go into the indigenous tribes, it's still there and it's still understood. I uh, also want to explain that the, our adversary, the devil, has hijacked this and he draws people into the occult. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's very real. Even today in our part of the world, the occult is there. And there is often, you know, when it gets, you know, serious and dark, there is, um, you know, there's uh, the shedding of blood. So uh, we are aware of one person who have been reaching out to who suffers from mental illness. And when he was in year 12, he was drawn into a blood pact with the devil. And uh, that still harasses him today. Uh, so, so, you know, this stuff is very real. So the reason, the reason I'm talking about it is that God is restoring the truth of covenant and he's restoring the power of communion and he is restoring our understanding of the Passover. So everything that happened in the Old Testament somehow points to the, fu the future. And it points to, you know, uh, Jesus being the Lamb of God and him offering uh, his life for us on the cross. So moving on, the covenant that God made with Abraham was an everlasting covenant. 
and you know, it, it's really cool if you, if you understand it and if you look back at the history, because it helps us to understand us today and where we're at. Firstly, it was a covenant of promise. Uh, God promised Abraham and he said, Abram, you are going to be the father of nations. And that your, uh, you know, your uh, descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. They're going to be like the sand on the, on the, uh, on the ground. So this is an incredible covenant of promise that God made to him. So one, he promised that he would be the father of a nation. And number two, he promised him a territory. So he stood in there in the midst of Canaan, he said, as far as you can see, east, west, north, and west, it's yours. So, so that was the promise that God made to Abraham. And like I said before, it was an everlasting covenant because, uh, you know, when, when Israel ceased to be a nation in the first century, everyone thought, oh, well, that's that. That's the end of it. But supernaturally, in the last hundred years, God moved and he's begun to restore the nation of Israel. Why? Because God is true to his word. And he spoke that word to Abraham and he said, Abraham, this is an everlasting covenant. Uh, this is an eternal covenant. And, you know, that is why Israel stands as a nation today, because uh, of that aspect of the covenant. So, so firstly, he promised to Abraham, one, you're going to be the father of a nation. Now, now at this stage, Abraham is beginning to get on a bit. He's not a young man. He's promised him a territory, the nation of Israel, and he promised him a son. And, uh, you know, uh, as he was getting older, he went and tried to make that happen. And Ishmael is the result of, uh, you know, uh, Abraham's inability to trust God in that era. But at age 99, God intervenes in Abraham's life again and says, you know, you're going to have a son. And this is the amazing uh, thing about God, that God has brought him whole, you know, through an incredible process to bring him to this place. So imagine at 99, God decides he is going to ratify, he's going to fulfill the promise. So uh, it, it, it's powerful because it was, it, it resembles how we should relate to God today a lot because this covenant number one is based on uh, hearing God. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't hear God, your relationship with him is lifeless. It's academic, uh, you know, and it is, it is cerebral. But this relationship with God is heart to heart. And we see the likeness of that in the Abrahamic covenant, where in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Abraham's, uh, God begins to, Speak to Abraham. And he says, now get out from your father's, you know, away from your family to a place that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to multiply you. 
And uh, those that, that bless you, I'm going to bless them. And those that curse you, I'm going to curse them. Do you know what? This is where nation, Israel, whether you know we like it politically or not, is God's nation. And it exists today because of the covenant, you know, obviously because of the eternal purposes of God, but it exists today because of the promise that God made to Israel, to, to uh, Abraham rather. So number one, it's based on our ability to hear God or Abraham's ability to hear God. Number two, to respond to God. Because Abraham, what did he do? He obeyed. He, he did what was asked to him. It was like, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about this in, in the message when it comes up. But, you know, uh, things begin to happen when men or women begin to uh, tune their lives to the frequencies of heaven and begin to hear him. Uh, so, so Abraham responded. Next thing there seemed to be, because of, because of the relationship that had evolved between God and Abraham, he had faith. It, it, was, it was a genuine faith in God where he heard God, he responded to God, he took God at his word, and he believed God. So in Romans chapter 4, it says that, um, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. In other words, when God said to him, this is the land that I'm going to give you, you're going to be a nation, Abraham. You're, uh, you're, by the way, his name at that point was not Abraham. It was Abram. He said, you're, uh, you are going to be the father of nations. Now, this is an amazing dialogue between the God who created, created the universe and a human being. But when God begins to dialogue with human beings, it is not always for our convenience. It is often because he has an eternal plan that he is working out in the nations. And this is what was happening here. So Abram... Abram, he, uh, he heard God, he responded to God in obedience. He got out from his father's land and he began, it was like that courtship process where, where uh, our father in heaven was courting him and bringing him towards a place of covenant. So Abraham, number one, it was, it, it was a powerful covenant because it was based on one, hearing God, number two, responding God. Number three, he had faith in God. I mean, if God turned up to, uh, you know, in my dreams at 99 and said, Brian, I'm going to give you a son. Uh, I don't think, well, <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> so this is how absolutely impossibility. It's like, it's like Corey saying, look, Look, Libby, I've got a great idea when he's 99 years old. I mean, this is how far out this thing is. And Sarah laughed. She just couldn't believe that this was going to happen. 
Of course, when uh, Isaac, the son of promise, was born, his name was uh, Isaac, which means laughter, because Sarah just laughed. She couldn't believe it. So, so you know, when, when God speaks to us, the best thing we can do is not respond academically, but respond with a heart of faith, because that is where God begins to draw us into a deeper life of covenant with him. So this amazing covenant, it's prophetic in that God provided a lamb. God often tested, tests us to see if we really have faith and if we will really be obedient to him or whether we are just managing our own lives and our circumstances. So in Genesis, you know, we, we, uh, we know that Abraham uh, and Sarah, uh, you know, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, the son of promise. And then as this boy is growing, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God really begins to test him. And he says, take your son, your only son to the mountain. And, uh, you know, we know what this means. So, so uh, Isaac made an altar there for himself. But, you know, God, as we have been talking over the last few weeks, God always has a plan and he always makes provision. And an angel appeared and said, do not touch the boy. And a ram was caught in the thicket there. And this is where Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. So this is a really incredible, uh, you know, um, covenant that was established between God and Abraham. And we are part of it. We are today beneficiaries of that covenant. And, and this is where I want you to understand this, that today we actually uh, live under blessing because the covenant with Abraham was a covenant of blessing. And it's like we are grafted into that. And even the Western society is a beneficiary of the Abrahamic covenant. In Acts chapter uh, 2.39, it says the promise, the promise of God's blessing is to you, to your children, to many who are far off, and to all our Lord, the Lord God shall call. So today... I am a beneficiary of the covenant that uh, God made with Abraham. So, so uh, that's, where, that's where we're at. Of course, the greatest uh, covenant is the new covenant, which Jesus introduced at the Last Supper. And it was sealed with the shedding of his own blood. Because every covenant in the Old Testament was sealed with the blood of uh, of a, uh, a lamb, a, a beast. But this one, this better covenant, the new covenant was shed with the blood of Jesus. And this is, I'll tell you why this is the, the, a better covenant and why it is a best covenant. Number one, it's a love covenant. John 3, 16. John 3, 16. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's a love covenant. Number two, it is an e eternal covenant. So when we enter into that covenant with God, it has eternal consequence in my life. My eternity is set with God. I am now born again. I'm a new creation. You know, no one in the Old Testament was a new creation. Only we are. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, believers were faithful and they were righteous, but they never ever became what you are today, which is a new creation. And that is why this is a better covenant. Today, I'm a new creation. Uh, I am not only made in the image of God, but his spirit dwells on the inside of me. Uh, it's, it's a relational covenant. So number three, it's a relational covenant. I have a relationship with God. And it is two-way. It's a two-way relationship. It's such an awesome, incredible relationship that already today, God has spoken to me. And I've spoken to him. You know, this is remarkable that our relationship with God is like this. And if we can realize the difference, you know, the Abrahamic covenant is, is an eternal covenant that God established with a man and has been totally faithful to. And we are the beneficiary of that covenant. But do you know what? Abraham was never a new creation. So you see this? Abraham never had the spirit of God living in him. It was always God as external. But now in this new covenant, the spirit of God has been poured out into our own hearts. So we are now new creations. Number four, it is heart to heart. It's heart to heart. It is possible as I grow in my relationship with God, that I can absolutely have his heart. And this is what it really wants. So this is an incredible covenant that God has given us. Where now God and man <clears throat> can become not as one, but really are one. So in the Old Testament, through the power of covenant, God and man could become as one, right? So, for instance, Abram, God called Abram out of, uh, God called Abram out of uh, uh, Ur and brought him to a new place. And his name was Abram. But after the covenant was established, his name became Abraham. In other words, Abram and God equals Abraham. They they became as one. But in this new covenant, we have truly become one. And this is where, as we take communion, it, it's powerful because we are saying, you and I and God have become one. Hannah Felsberg, I can't separate you from God. 
because you and God have become one. You are a daughter of God. You know, uh, Sarah Churchill, I cannot separate you from God. And, and uh, even, even uh, people that are um, broken and dysfunctional and dressed in the dirtiest clothes, if God has come onto the inside of them, do you know what? You are looking at God because they have become one with him. And this is where when we take communion, you know, uh, the scripture says discern the body because now the people that I'm looking on are not looking on them as someone that is separate from me. If they know Christ, they're my brother, they're my sister. So the point is that I'm trying to get across this morning is this is an incredible covenant where now God and man can become not as one like Abraham and God, but really are one. You see the power of that? That we have become sons of God. That we have become daughters with God. And if you read Romans 8, it says we are predestined, you know, to be conformed to the same image, to be transformed. So as we walk with him, we become more and more able to, you know, represent and demonstrate his likeness. We're being transformed into the likenesses. So it's an incredible covenant. It's a covenant of adoption. I love this. This covenant with God is a covenant with adoption. And it is like where God uh, sees someone who is fatherless. And he says, I'm going to adopt that child into my very own family. This is incredible. I am going to adopt that child into my own family. I'm going to make them part of my family. And the price that he paid for that was the shedding of the blood of his own son. That's the price that was paid. Very powerful. So when we take communion this morning, if we reduce it to a little ritual, that we do at church before we should, do at church because we should, then we've really missed it. And God wants to reinstitute this in our life today, this incredible covenant where now, hey, it's not that I and God can be as one. I and God am one. I am a new creation. I'm now, he lives in me. I am in him and he is in me. I am his son. You are his daughter. Incredible. And he has given us the down payment. The Bible talks about the down payment, which is the spirit of God. So, so when we are born again, we receive a down payment on the inside, which is the spirit of God. But as we walk with him, you know, he can fill us with the fullness of his Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, in this incredible covenant, it starts out that we are children, adopted as children, but we grow to be sons and daughters of God. And we come into his likeness as we continue to, you know, to walk with him. So uh, that's the Abrahamic covenant. Very powerful. 
uh, and it points to an even greater covenant, which is the covenant that we have with God. So the, uh, the outworking of this covenant is really our relationship with one another in the house of God. And you know, when Jesus took the, took the bread, he was breaking the bread of covenant with 12 disciples. And this is the model for church where God calls us to walk with people and to be in this honorable relationship with people. So, so you know, the proof of how much you love God, the, or sorry, the proof of how much God loved us is in the establishment of this new covenant. The proof of our love for him is how we respond to him and secondly, how much we respond to loving one another. There's the message this morning. So, so I want to pray and then I'll get a couple of you to pray before we take the bread and the, uh, the, the juice this morning. Father, I just thank you for today. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are always, always, always drawing us deeper into the bonds of relationship with you. And Father, I thank you that you did that with me. I thank you, Lord God, that you drew, drew me by your loving kindness. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that uh, I have become one with you. And Father, that is just an incredible miracle. That is called salvation. That is what it means to be really born again, to be one with you. And Lord God, uh, you know, we know that in this covenant, we are definitely the lesser party. But you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. And Father, we received this morning him into our hearts wholeheartedly. And we thank you for the benefits, the benefits of eternal life. Incredible, Lord God. Regardless of how we feel this morning, Lord God, we have the benefits of eternal life. Lord, it's a love covenant. Father, I thank you this morning that we have a relationship with you. You are Jesus. You, are, you have the name above every other name. You are truly Lord. And this morning we are connected to you through this everlasting covenant. Father, I thank you that it is a relationship of the heart. It's a relationship of the heart. Lord God, you demonstrated your love. While we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. And Father, we want to demonstrate our love for you by giving our lives back to you in totality. Absolutely. And by learning to love you and to follow you. And thirdly, learning to love one another. Learning to love one another. God, even those, it's easy to love. People are attractive and got great personalities and, you know, are so given to the cause, it's easy to love them. But this covenant is that we should love everyone. And we should really think of those. 
who are marginalized and on the edge. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're doing. Lord God, we just give you praise. Amen. Amen. I, I would uh, like Lenny, if you could, to pray. Would you be able to pray and just give thanks?